Welcome to Level Up Academy, the podcast that's dedicated to the higher education community that brings you countless stories of employees, students, and faculty's journey in this remote world we live in. We are expanding our podcast to business leaders and community experts who are sharing their story and adversity that each one of us experienced to inspire and inform our world. This is your host, Dr. Leland, a serial educator, an opportunities designer, and a compassionate leader. Hello, Level Up listeners. I just wanted to let you know before we have Dawn talk about how we can save money, most of our money, hard-earned income, and not give Uncle Sam most of that money. And we're going to talk about a non-grantor, irrevocable, complex, discretionary, spindrift trust. I know it's a mouthful, right? But it is a type of trust that is set up to protect the assets of the trust from the creditors of the beneficiaries. Caveat, okay, we're going to put it out there that you need to consult your own lawyer and to make sure that this, because this is a complex type of trust, you need an experience, and I mean an experience lawyer to actually deal with it, okay? Um, definition of a non-grantor refers to the fact that the person who creates the trust, the grantor, does not retain any control over the assets or income of the trust. So therefore, you cannot access the trust assets or income for their own benefit. Irrevocable just means that the trust cannot be modified or terminated by the grantor once it has been created. Complex definition refers to the fact that the trust may have multiple layers of beneficiaries and the trust may have complex rules and provisions for the how the assets and income of the trust that will be distributed. Discretionary just means that the trustee, who is the person in charge of managing the trust, has discretion over how the trust assets and income will be distributed to the beneficiary. This can be used to protect the assets of the trust from the creditors of the beneficiaries. And then the lastly, we're talking about spindrift. It refers to the fact that the trust can be set up in such a way that the beneficiaries cannot access the trust assets or income until a certain age or until certain conditions are met, which can also protect the assets of the trust from the creditors of the beneficiary. This type of trust is very useful tool to, for protecting your assets for beneficiaries who may be facing either financial difficulties or those with high levels of debt or who are subject to losses, right? However, it can also be complex and difficult to administer. That is the reason why it's important for you to consult an experienced attorney and tax professional to ensure that the trust is set up and administered properly. So I want to give you a heads up when Don is talking about the conversation today. All right. So keep that in mind. I will post something in my blog, Lua, L-U-A by DocLeland.com. There's a whole bunch in the blog post in there. Um, I'll set up something or write something about the setup of a non-grantor irrevocable complex discretionary spendrift trust. Um, Kind of like a step-by-step, a simple type of setting that you can actually look at. But again, at the end of the day, you need a tax professional and an experienced attorney as a caveat. Okay. And here is Don Thornton's conversation and podcast. 
Hello, Level Up listeners. This is your host, Dr. Leland. Today, I have a guest who has very interesting background. And for all my entrepreneurs, listeners out there, this one is for you. Don, introduce yourself to our listeners. Well, hello, everybody. My name is Don Thornton. I am almost 59 years old. I am a veteran of 20 plus years of doing business in Russia and then doing real estate investing business in the United States, mostly in Florida. And now I basically am on a mission to educate people on how they can legally reduce their taxes to almost zero. That's so fascinating. Let's go back 20 years of your life, right? And kind of summarize like where you started 20 years ago until now today where you're at. I would say that you know, to get a, a, a better picture, maybe start a little bit earlier than that. Sure. Because um, I, I was always fascinated with Russian language and the Russian culture. I can remember being eight years old that I felt like that I needed to learn Russian. I had no idea why. No idea why. But I was fortunate to be in the area of St. Louis where there was a lot of Soviet immigrants back back in the 1970s. And so they offered Russian as as an elective in junior high. So I took three years of that. I loved it. And I knew that I had to get there. There was just something inside me that says I have to learn Russian. And so as I went through high school and then my first year of college, and I realized that, you know, I wanted to go to Russia and... Uh, I was um, actually went to Finland as an exchange situation. Uh, I thought, well, that's cool because Finland's right on the border, but it was still the Soviet Union. There wasn't much there. So, But I, I, I learned that I loved being outside of the country, loved learning languages. Finnish was the first language I, lo- I was able to speak fluently, which is one of the hardest languages in the world. So that was a, that was a good way to, to get the hard part out of the way first. But I went back. I was in like 23 I was starting. I was going back to, to being a major in, in, in Russian studies, Russian language, and, and my whole career path was going to be State Department. I wanted to be a Slavic language expert. I wanted to focus on, on the Soviet Union, you know, Czechoslovakia, you know, Poland, all these Slavic languages. And but I needed to get fluent. And there was this is still the Cold War. There was no way to get there. But I was, you know, I found that the State Department was recruiting Russian majors to go to Russia, to the embassy, to work for two-year contracts. And so I said, I'm there. You know, so I, I, I said, I'm going to go there. So I got hired as a janitor, and uh, I literally would go out on the streets of Moscow in my broken Russian and just say, please talk to me, please talk to me. <laughs> and it went from, it went from, oh, you're cool, and it's, I, I'm talking American to be, you're a spy, get away from me. Oh. But you know, the, 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 you know how I learned my, my I got my fluency was because my father was an alcoholic and I had gone to Al-Anon meetings and adult children alcoholics um, earlier in the United States and they had just started doing AA and Al-Anon in Moscow. Mm. And so I heard about it, the grapevine, I started going to the meetings and honestly, <laughs> that's where I learned Russian. Oh, wow. So I can talk to you till the cows come home about, in Russian, about, you know, alcoholism. alcoholism. <laughs> <laughs> That's the vocabulary I got. Wow. So, but I got fluent, and then, you know, the everything changed. I started my contract when it was the Soviet Union. By the time I left, it, the Soviet Union was gone. The coup wow. happened, yeah. and, and then everything opened up. If you were an American and you had a passport and you spoke fluent Russian, you could write your own ticket. So next thing you know... 
I'm working at a, at a, at a joint venture between Polaroid and the Atomic Ministry for Russia. Mm. And, uh, they were basically using their, their assembly lines to, to start uh, assembling Polaroid cameras. And I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about this. <laughs> I was just this, this Russian language nerd. Yeah. And then I had to learn spreadsheets and all this kind of stuff. So I ended up staying. I got married. Wow. And we lived a life there. And we lived a great life. And two kids. And well, eventually just the one child. And then, uh, but about towards the end of the 90s, uh, the Russians started pushing all the expats out. I knew that my days were numbered. And so I said to my wife, let's, let's, let's go back to the States and see what I can find. So my sister was working in Orlando. We went, we went back to, we went to Orlando. I found a job with an American company. And the first thing they did was they sent me back to Russia. <laughs> <laughs> they were trying to expand their business to the former Soviet Union. And so I took my wife back over and, uh, little did I know that she had, uh, conceived, uh, she we had conceived a child and, but she was going to be, he was going to be born in, in Russia. So he ended up having three cerebral hemorrhages oh, no. uh, before he was born right during the birth. And so we got the diagnosis that he was not going to ever be a normal child, quote unquote, that he was going to be cerebral palsy at the minimum. And my wife and my mother-in-law, bless their hearts, they said that we're not going to stand for that. So they, um, they just they searched for whatever alternatives, uh, methods of treatment, and they found a, uh, a neurologist, mm-hmm. a professor, mm-hmm. and he said that, yes, we can try this. He said that with some medication, with a very aggressive course of acupuncture and massage, that that the areas where the brain died, basically, like three areas, and a lot of that had to do with, with the lower extremities and the, and the knees, he says, we can actually teach the body by sending signals from their feet and the legs to the brain, we can help create new neural pathways. Because the ones that normally are there are gone, wow. and if you do it now, we can still he can still walk and so forth. So... I mean, that was just like all our plans were gone, and then we just basically just threw into this. I mean, we were holding the, the poor guy in our hands and, you know, just covered in needles. The massage Sorry. therapist would come over three times a day to do all this massage and so forth, and that was four years of, of our lives doing wow. that. Fortunately, my company decided they weren't going to expand to Russia. They fired me, and so we had to make a decision, and I just said, um, I'm not going to make it in Russia. There's no money for foreigners anymore. So I had to leave them. And I went to Orlando with hardly any money. I had no idea what I was going to do, but I said, I I can't work as a salaried employee. There's no money in it. I have to make better money. So I have to do a business of some kind. I'll just do real estate. So I struggled for two years. I didn't see my family and my kid, you know, thankfully my in-laws were able to help with the cost, but it's very expensive. Even Russia was very expensive at the time. But I was able to get. I was able to learn how to do short sales. I became a very successful investor. I brought them back over, and you know we were able to to move forward there. But you know it's funny. I made millions of dollars in, in real estate uh, doing short sales in Florida, but I don't didn't have any money to show for it because I had to send so much money over there for his therapy and his the cost of his medical stuff. So. You know, it's one of those deals where, thank goodness I had it, but we weren't able to to put a nest, you know, get a nest egg developed or whatever. So, um, but he had to be there for therapy, and yeah. so we had we started this permanent existence where I worked here for three weeks. I would fly over for twelve days 
and come back. And that's wow. how we did it for 18 years, I guess. Wow. And, and that's then so every, amazing. Yeah. And then, but, you know, to, to, <laughs> I guess uh, the universe did not want us to, to rest on our laurels and say, okay, we got over this hump. And then COVID hit. Oh, yeah. I didn't see him for almost 20 years. And not only that, but the, the courts were closed for almost two years. And that was the only source of business that I, or money that I had was my, my basically COVID took away my family again and it took away my livelihood. <sighs> so it was just like, wow. So then we, I finally was able to resurrect the, the business a little bit. I was able to go see my family after COVID and then the war started. <sighs> and now I can't, now we're in limbo again. We're marooned again. But, uh, and of course, my, my short sale business now is completely gone. It doesn't work anymore. And so now I had to figure out a new gig to be able to, to live and support the family. And, you know, I realized that, you know, I had, I had to find something else. And I realized the answer was already here. I had already used a trust with my real estate business to help me protect my assets, but most importantly, to be able to legally reduce my taxes almost to, you know, let's say 97% or, or less or more in that general area. And I said, well, I can teach this. So let me try. So I just started, I just didn't, you know, I, I knew how to do it. I knew the, the theory, the strategies and so forth, but I just got out there and got on TikTok and social media. And I started trying to get on podcasts. I started going to different, you know, just anybody I could talk to about it. And I was just starting from scratch at 58 years old, starting from scratch again. And luckily, it resonates with people because it worked. And so now, now it's now we're doing really well again. And I just talked to my wife before we we record this podcast, and she's still saying, "Well, how you, it's great, but how do you get the money to me?" I said, "Honey, I don't know. Let's yeah. just see. But at least we got the we at least we got the income coming. We solved that problem again." I said, "Look, we've been doing this for twenty two years. We're going to keep going. We're always going to find the solutions as long as we stay going." I. <sighs> You are like the epitome of like perseverance and grit and resilience and just not giving up. Thank you for that. I'm, I'm hoping whoever's listening to this, that we all have adversity. We all go through life, right? But for someone like you just keeps going, like how, by the way, how's your son doing? Well, you know, it's an interesting situation. He, uh, He's one of the best soccer goalies in the highest amateur league in Moscow. Wow. He runs like a deer. Thank God uh, for your help with that. Yeah. He does have some lingering emotional issues that have to do with the, with the trauma that he had. In, in, you know, and yeah. The neurologist warned us that probably not until he's 30 will he basically be able to catch up. Yeah. Right now, our biggest worry is that he's not going to get you know pulled from a street corner and thrown into a Russian military van and taken to the front. I mean, that's... That, a, yeah. He has a medical deferment, but right now they're just they're grabbing anybody. So yeah, really that's gotta, true. That's our, that's our next challenge to get through. Yeah, so. on top of everything else, why not just just <laughs> put it on the truck? You know, wow, yeah. there's just a lot going on in there. Well, thank you so much for sharing your life, oh. really, and um, I, I'm lost for words. Like I can't even. You know, sometimes you're looking at your problem, and you're like, oh my god, this problem, and then you hear someone else. I'm like, okay, I'm still better on on this end. Um, you know, there's so much worse that could happen. And for you to keep up with what you need to do because you are a dad and you're trying to pr provide for your family, not knowing, not seeing them, that is hard. That is very hard. It's been very lonely. 
Yeah. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to be one of those people that is only going to be positive. I'm going to be very real and say, yes, it's, this year has been one of the most difficult years of my life. Yeah. Because I fell into a real deep depression when the war started. Yeah. I, knew, I thought we just got over this with COVID. Now we're good again. And then, boom. Wow. And I spent about a month in bed. I mean, I, I could not. I just, I don't know hey, what I'd agree. I don't blame you. I would be too. I'm just thinking right now, my brain, I have a little bit of migraine and I'm like, oh my God, my brain is like fight or flight. Just having that conversation. It's like, wow. Well, hopefully we can help you out with your business. And let's talk about your business in terms of how you can legally lower taxes. For someone who's an entrepreneur like myself, there's a lot of uh, gigpreneur, I call ourselves now, right? There's a gigpreneur happening. I'm in California. There's so many rules regulations against employers in here right i will refuse to hire a 1099 in california because of av ab laws that they have you know for link and uber drivers it started there um so i will not hire anybody Um, i told my friends i love you but i don't love you that much to complicate my life so i'm gonna hire someone else maybe somewhere in nevada i can do that but anywhere in california i'm not gonna do it so how does one start even on you know legally lowering their taxes do they need to be at c corp and i'm an nlc no um actually the only people we cannot help are w2 employees Okay. So who can we help? Business owners of any kind. Okay. Employees, ironically enough, when you said that. Yeah. Uh, commission salespeople, realtors, mortgage brokers, things like that. Awesome. Anybody that is getting ordinary income that's not not a salary. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now we find that 200000 is probably the, the lowest you can go to get much value with this. If you're making eighty, ninety thousand dollars with 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 non-salary uh, money, then, then you're not going to pay that as that, that much taxes anyway, right? But as you get above two hundred, it really starts to make a difference. The, here's the here's the challenge with ordinary income, active ordinary income, is that when you get above one hundred sixty-five thousand dollars a year, you're taxed at thirty-two percent. And I have spoken I have spoken with so many ten ninety-nine people. A lot of IT people, mm-hmm. they're telling me, Don, I'm getting killed on taxes. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't have any write-offs. And it's just all, and the IRS is just taking, taking, taking. And it's like having a, a, a one-third or more partner in your business that does nothing except take, you know? And it's like, you know, hey, that's like my first wife in Russia. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Seriously. <sure>. Yeah. <laughs> but, the, uh, but uh, you, you know, you can legally remove the IRS from your, your business like that. You just have to know the, the way to do it. And I didn't know about it myself until I was 18 years into uh, my real estate investing business. And I was tired of writing those checks because, I mean, with no false modesty, I did really well for a lot of years, and that meant a lot of taxes that were, being, were going out. And so luckily I found out from a fellow investor who found out from somebody else. And it's kind of like this, it's not really, this strategy is not really uh, advertised. It's more of a word of mouth type situation. Right. You know, there's only a few of us out here that are actually talking about it and letting people know about this on a wider scale. So I heard about it, did my due diligence and realized that this was the most brilliant strategy that I'd ever seen to be able not only to 100% protect your assets from the lawsuits, 
predatory, frivolous, anything like that, they can't get to your assets or you personally, but also to be able to, to save so much in taxes. It all has to do with the trust. Trust, okay. Yes. It's called a non-grantor, irrevocable, complex, discretionary, spin-thrift trust. That's a mouthful. And most people don't know about it. Most attorneys and accountants. I don't know about it. <laughs> That's yeah. Not many people know about it because it's it's basically was was the go to tool and strategy for the ultra wealthy for decades. Mm-hmm. And you know Warren Buffett famously said once that his secretary pays more in taxes than he does. And the reason why is because his secretary is a W two employee, right? And he and he has a trust. And so he uses these strategies, and people think, well, okay, sure, the, the ultra-wealthy, but they have billions, and they can pay for all these expensive you know, trusts and things like that. And it's like, you know what? It's not that way. It's actually not that way. It's so much more uh, accessible to those of us you know, that, that do well, but maybe we're not millionaires, but we do well, let's say 200000 or more. This is completely accessible to us. And you just have to know about it. And... You know, as someone who was on a career path to be a professor and loved to learn and loved to teach, this is right up my alley because there's nothing I love better than showing people how they can save more money because, let's face it, who knows what's going to happen in our economy. Some say we're going to depression. Recession. Some say we're doing good. Regardless, whatever happens, we're on, we're due to have a downturn. Yeah. So... Not having to pay a third of your money out to tip the IRS every year, it could be the difference between survival yeah. and so Yeah. It could be the difference between just getting by and thriving. Right. It's a chunk of your money. Right. So we all need to have the same tool that these ultra rich have been using almost exclusively for decades. Now, I have a question. That's actually, I'm excited about it. So let's say I have a small business. I just started it. Yep. And, but my husband is a W-2. Mm-hmm. How does that work to protect? Can, can I still do a trust or not possible yes. at all? Yes. Just your husband couldn't be involved in it. And just let me say one thing before we get too deep into this. Sure. I do make a legal disclaimer here that I am not a licensed Attorney uh, or anything, yeah, yeah. Attorney or accountant. This is for informational purposes only. Yep. Seek legal advice before you do any transactions. Okay. Right. Having said that, I've lived this, and you know, I'm just going from my experience and, and the clients that I've had that I've taught, and they've been able to save a lot of money as well. For your situation, absolutely, you can do that. What you'd want to do is you you'd want to make sure you have an LLC. I have one. Okay. You would need to invest in this trust. You become the trustee, which means that you have all of the power in the trust. In the trust, you want to make your trust a ninety percent partner in your LLC. So you have you're the, you're the you're the managing member or partner mm-hmm. in this scenario. So you would have ten percent of it ownership, and the LLC the, the trust would have ninety percent. Okay. So before, so that, that's how you set it up. So now your trust is set up. You've got your LLC set up to run your business. That's the income's going to come into your LLC. But there's one one thing else. You want to sell your assets into the trust. I because see. the trust is going to give you all of the asset protection. But from a business point of view, 
let's say, what kind of assets do you have? Is it mostly up here in your head? Is that really what your assets are? Do you have a physical product or, or uh, services that you provide? No, it's it's courses. Yeah. Courses, okay. Yeah. All right. So you have a lot, you're more intangible heavy on, on your assets. But those are monetizable. And you need to monetize those and sell them to the trust. It's almost like, you may be too young for this, um, you look like you, you you know, the Beatles were like 60 years old before you were born. So, um, but the Beatles, remember back in the 80s, the Beatles sold their, their whole library to Michael Jackson. Mm. So that their songs, were that was an asset that they sold to him. So Michael Jackson became the owner of the Beatles, Beatles songs. If they wanted to play them, Michael Jackson got the royalties, not them. Right. Okay. So it was the same thing for you. All of your intellectual property, your knowledge, your courses, all of that you need to monetize and sell into your trust. Okay, so now the trust owns that. Now your LLC is the instrument to generate your revenue. Right. But LLC cannot generate revenue without access to your assets. Mm. Right? Okay, so what you're going to do is the trust is going to lease your assets to your LLC. So now that your trust has... I mean, excuse me, now that your LLC has access to your assets, it can now generate revenue. So you go out and you start generating revenue. Money comes in. Whatever expenses you have, you expense out. Whatever deductions you have, you deduct. You, deduct, you can deduct them out. So at the, at the end of the day, let's say that you have a million dollars of net income after you've expensed everything else out. That's normally where you're going to determine what your tax liability would be for that year. Yeah, and if you're 99, or you're, if it's active income, that's going to be at least thirty-two thousand dollars. If it's more than, obviously, it's more than than one hundred sixty-five thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So look at that. How much the IRS is going to take from that? That's a huge chunk, right? Yep. But what we're going to do here with this strategy is we're going to add two major ex- additional expenses to your LLC. The first one is. Your, your LLC signed a lease agreement with your trust, with the trust, for the assets. Got to pay the piper. Yeah. LLC's got to pay, pay that lease. So the IRS will allow up to 70% of your net income to be used as a lease payment. Mm. So we're going to take 70% of your million, which is $700,000, and we're going to move that over to the trust as a lease payment. So now we've, we've reduced the amount of money you're going to calculate your taxes on from a million dollars down to three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Okay, that's a huge savings already. But we have one more expense. Remember, your trust is a ninety percent limited member or partner in your LLC. Right. It needs to get paid for that. So we're going to take ninety percent of your three hundred thousand dollars that's left over after the lease payment. That's going to go over to the trust as a K one distribution. Nice. So now, what you've had, you've moved $970,000 or 97% of your pre-tax net income. We've moved that over now to the trust. Okay? Your LLC now only oh, or only have, remains uh, $30,000 that's going to be taxed. Now, I think wow. You're probably not going to be paying too much taxes on $30,000, right? Wow. That's amazing, actually. My mind is blown. Okay, like, wow. Okay, so that's how they stay rich. Okay. (laughs) So now the the money's come over to the trust. 
So you're probably thinking, well, okay, but you got to pay taxes with the trust, right? Well, no, you don't, and this is why. A lease payment and a K-1 distribution are, they are passive income for the trust. And when that money comes in, it stays inside the, 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 what we call the corpus of the trust. This means it's not going to the beneficiaries, it's not going to you as the trustee, it's inside the trust and the trust bank account. So as trustee, you have the power in accordance with IRS code 643. There's a, there's a, there is a IRS code that specifically has to do with this type of trust. As a trustee, you can declare that passive income to be an extraordinary dividend for the trust. And according to that, that code in the tax code in the tax law, any taxes that would have been owed on that will be deferred permanently. Nice. As long as they stay, that money stays inside the trust. Wow. So how do you take money from that trust to pay yourself? You don't. You don't. And this is this is why you this is how it works. Okay. Do you have any children? Yeah, two. Are they they younger than twenty one? Yes, fifteen and eighteen this year. Okay, so the trust they're gonna you're gonna make them a beneficiary. So if you're the trustee of the trust, your husband will be a beneficiary, your children will be a beneficiary. That means that let's talk about your children. Number one, anything, any expenses to do with the, with those children, they are trust expenses. The trust pays for them. Private schools, tutors, food, fashion. Clothes, culture, wellness, health. The trust pays for all of that. Okay? Mm. So the, as far as your husband and yourself as trustee, the trust will pay for any, any and everything that has to do with, with the beneficiaries except for the three Fs, food, fashion, and fun. Okay? Now, it can pay for almost everything. You can pay for food and fashion for your for your minor children, but for adults, you can't. They, it won't pay for the food or the fashion. But in, from my experience, as someone who's doing this, like say, if you have your if you sell your 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 residence into the trust as an asset, your vehicles, the trust pays for all of that. The mortgage, the insurance, utilities. Uh, you you know you um, your water heater breaks. You got to call a plumber. Trust pays for all of that. You want to put a swimming pool in, trust pays for that. Vehicles, gas, oil changes, whatever, insurance, everything is paid for as a trust expense. So that way, you, most, I'd say 90% maybe, of what you spend, usually with post-tax dollars, mm-hmm. is now a trust expense. The trust pays for all that. So you really have greatly limited your need for cash. So yeah. The trust pays for most of that. So yeah. now... Your husband's a W two employee. He pays for whatever pays for your food, fashion, and fun. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That is actually amazing. Like I'm, I'm lost of words. I'm like, that is actually pretty cool. I'm like, okay. Now, is there a specific person that you need to talk to? Because some, some tax. I mean, if my tax guy knew about it, he would have told me about it. What, which he didn't. Uh, in my experience. Most attorneys and most accountants or CPAs have never heard of it. And a lot of them are negative about it because they, if they don't, it's it's interesting thing about licensed people. Uh, If they don't know about it, they immediately get suspicious and say, I I wouldn't do it if I were you. Even though you can give them all case law, you can give them, you know, everything to show them this is absolutely 100% legal, they'll still say, I wouldn't do it. You know, I'll give you an example. I have a, a client of mine 
that uh, he was going to sell his business for $7.5 million. And that he was going to pay capital gains tax on the sale of his business, so which is around 24%. So he was going to pay about $1.7 million in capital gains tax. Well, he heard, he saw me on YouTube. Not, not YouTube, sorry, I think it was, I think it was uh, TikTok, doesn't matter. Well, he saw one of my videos, so he reached out to me, and we, I explained how this all worked. And just like I did with you, obviously went to it more in greater detail. And his tax, his tax guy would not sign off on it. He says, and they've known that they, they, they're childhood friends. Wow. And even though, even though the CPA that services trust clients talked to him and went through it and showed him exactly, he still wouldn't do it. And so my guy said, finally, he said, look, if you don't pay me the $1.7 million I'm going to have to pay for taxes, then you better get out of the way. Because I'm not, I'm not going to pay that kind of money if I don't have to. And he said, fine. And he, he left. And so he found new representation. But when when he sold his business, that $1.7 million did not go to the IRS. It went to his bank account, his trust bank account. Yeah. So still Is it free to open a trust? No, there's a, there's a, there's a charge so, to it. I mean, it, and it's not cheap. I'll be honest with you. I can't give prices. Because right, because it depends honestly, on the state, it, too. It depends on your situation. Yeah. You know? Basic, I have people that are just have a basic trust. Some of them just want it for asset protection. One just want to use with an LLC like I described. Mm-hmm. Or some are, are, are really big-time investors. They have syndications. They have multiple partnerships. I have people who have multiple businesses. And I, I really need to have a, a, a free strategy session to go through it, and, and, and I can tell you pretty much what it's going to cost at that point. But I will tell you this, that for people making – you know, two hundred thousand dollars or more, it will not take you more than two years before you get that money back, if not sooner, on the savings you're going to have with your taxes. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> definitely. The only the the only hard part is like my husband is the W two that makes a lot of money, uh, IT guy. So that's the that's the thing. I just started my business, but I know it's going to go somewhere. What you could do, what you could do is, and sometimes I'll do this in IT especially. Just ask if he can ask to be um, changed to W to an, uh, a ten ninety nine status. Mm, I don't think his employee. I, I mean, employer would want well, that. Yeah. Yeah. If he sometimes they'll do it because it's less money for them. Right. They have to they have to pay money as well. Right. So if you can, you can. You're stuck on that. But uh, but in general, if you're ten ninety nine or business owner, commission sales. Like I said, anybody that's getting, having active income that's not salaried. This absolutely is the solution to getting that that IR, the IRS out of your pocket. Yeah, and that's actually wonderful to know because IRS is not gonna go anywhere. It, it they're gonna be there. You know what I mean? Like they're you know. And I always have like laughed at it with my friends too. And I'm like, why is there hacking in the banks and you know hospitals and killing people? Why not the IRS? And they're like, yeah, the IRS is like using 1960s or 1930s archaic systems, so no one can ever go in that back door. It's manual everything. I was like, oh man. But that is a blessing, right? Right. That's true. Um, That's actually really great. Thank you so much. Now, if anyone actually is listening to this and would like your services, where can they find you? I know you said TikTok. Are you on LinkedIn? I am on LinkedIn. And, you know, the biggest thing is my name is spelled D-O-H-N. And that really is an unusual spelling for for that, for Don. Right. Right. So, um, yeah, Don Thornton, T-H-O-R-N-T-O-N, Thornton. I mean, I'm all over social media. You know, I have a website you can go to. It's HTTPS 
colon slash slash financial freedom the number four the number u like utah dot now n-o-w dot s-i-t-e financial freedom for you dot now dot site and okay. you go there you can download my ebook mm-hmm. and i have a webinar that i did recently that goes into uh more detail about how this thing works and schedule a free start strategy session with me i'd be glad to uh do a zoom or a phone call and go over what your what your finances are like and I can point you the right direction. And what I would like to say is that while I am not a licensed um, uh, person, I do work with a company that's licensed by the law firm that owns this trust. And when if someone decides to invest in it, they're going to get it from the law firm. Okay. So this is not, this is this you're getting it from the law firm that's had it and owns has owned it for 50 years. Wow, that's amazing. That's good. That's good um, information because sometimes people do get skeptical. You're like, how do you do that? And if you actually are going through it already as an experienced person and business person, yeah. But you've gone through a lot, and I thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you so much and giving so much value to my listeners, especially those gigapreneurs out there. I appreciate you so much. No problem. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my podcast today. If you have any questions, email me at lua at levelupbydocleland.com. Lua, L-U-A-B-Y-D-O-C-L-E-Y-L-A-N-D.com. It's open for consultations and courses will be offered soon. I will see you in my next episode. Stay connected, informed, and inspired. Until next time. (laughs) 